Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. Here are your hosts. Friends, Romans, <laughs> countrymen, lend me your ears. I come, I come to tell stories about board games, not to review them. I, I thought I'd try something different. <laughs> how you feel about that, Andrew? You know, I, I kind of like that I have no idea how you start off every one of them. It's kind of fun. Like, just, although I feel like, yeah. you know, there are no Romans underwater except ones that fell in the ocean. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but that's fine. You can do like, fella, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you do what you, do what you want. I don't care. It's totally fine. Listeners, welcome to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you back again. As always, I am your host, Josh. And I'm Andrew. Uh, and this week we have Michael Giuliano. Uh, he is from Third World Studios. And I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what he's doing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk to you guys. I am Michael Giuliano. I am the manager of game development at Third World Studios. Uh, you might know Third World Studios from their 2008 New York Times bestselling graphic novel, The Stuff of Legend. Uh, mm -hmm. More recently, last September, we, well, I guess October, uh, successfully funded the board game designed by Kevin Wilson, uh, which should be delivering, um, hopefully without delay, uh, the end of this year, maybe Q1 of next year. I run a convention here in Syracuse, New York. Uh, we meet up every Tuesday at a, a new local brewery called Bullfinch. So I do, I do a bunch of stuff throughout the gaming industry, design, develop, but we'll get into that later, I guess. We met each other actually at Origins, Michael. Um, I was trying to get a free ticket to Origins to save expenses, and I went through a basically a volunteer agency without, I, I even forgot what they're called at this point, but basically I said, I want to volunteer to get a free badge, and uh, since I am, you know, trying to work my way into like the tabletop industry as a job, to be full time in there, I asked if I could be with a company that I could learn a lot from, and they suggested, "Hey, go to Third World Studios. They just released this, that, yada, yada, yada." I was like, "Okay, let's do it." And so that's where we met. We met over Discord. I was there to uh, demo pretty much, you know, I think, almost every evening. Uh, I was demoing Critical, I'm sorry, Miscontrol, Critical Orbit, and uh, the stuff of Legend. And we just got to talking. We got to know each other. You know, we played some games together. And we just be, we just be, I you know I was really impressed by your knowledge of games and the way you you know presented and talked about games and that's kind of where Aww, our relationship started. Up. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great to have you. It was awesome to meet you. Um, we looked at a couple of your designs, which I was excited about. Um, so you you definitely have some stuff in your future um, based on what I've seen. Um, uh, but yeah, we hit it off. Uh, just you get me talking about games, man, and it'll just be games. Like I won't shut up. So I don't know. I know your podcasts kind of go from like a half hour to an hour. Uh, this one could, if you ever see our show. Oh, another thing I do on the full forty-two on Mondays uh, with mm -hmm. my co-host Cassia Howitson and uh, Christian Strain. Uh, some of our shows will go four hours. So we we enjoy. I enjoy talking about everything. Um, revolving around board games design um, making things better what games are popular um, the industry as a whole so uh, you get me talking and it, it, i need one of those things that tell me to shut up yeah i've listened to that pod i've seen that podcast on youtube a few times and i don't think i've ever finished a full episode <laughs> um but that doesn't mean i don't enjoy the stuff i've seen it's just like i just can't stay that long and then i always come back to it but that's pretty fun sure yeah we're kind of all over the place we'll usually do some sort of top five um 
and then we'll have something that we're talking about, whether it's start get us talking about Star Wars or we talk about the game industry or we talk about uh, House of Dragons or whatever is going mm-hmm. on. And then we'll try and play a game. Uh, we try and do something that's social and interactive with the the chat community, which is great, like Mondrosity or Just One or Worst Case Scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had Scott uh, Aldi, Scott Alden from BGG uh, a couple weeks ago, and he requested we played the Trivia Pursuit nice. 80s edition, which has a Stranger Things theme to it, but the 80s version of it was um, was requested. And, and, you know, we try and do stuff that's fun. So I want to go a little bit into this uh, introduction about what you do for uh, Third World Studios, because, you know, Court Chevy, you kind of have my dream job. What I'm trying to be is, you know, developer, scout, all that good stuff. Um, so like, as far as what you do for third world studios, what do you, what are you, uh, trying to accomplish there? What's going on at, um, cause I play the stuff of legends and critical, uh, sorry, mission. I want to say, I want to say critical orbit, but it's, okay. it's mission control critical orbit, both those fantastic games. And I saw the booth at Gen Con and they're both fantastic. I am, uh, specifically helping develop the games catalog, I guess you can say. I mean, there, there is a lot of stuff that goes on behind the curtain, um, like coming up soon, we're going to get the container for stuff of legend and mission control to get over here. Um, mm-hmm. and I did that in my previous job. So there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's basically four of us. Um, so we all kind of share, uh, responsibilities across the board, but my focus is to, um, help with getting good games signed and developed so we can grow that catalog. On the other side of things, we we have, it's a publishing company. So there's graphic novels, there's prose novels, there's a, a bunch of stuff that we do outside of just the games. Like recently, I don't know if you guys watch Netflix, but there was a movie called Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness um, that's based on a graphic novel by Chris Grine. Mm-hmm that hit number one in kids for, for a few weeks. So we're, we're kind of, our net is, is wide and we do a lot of stuff, um, not only in games, but my focus is to um, find good games, figure out where it fits either with one of our IPs or something that we can make a, a big impact with. Um, like Mission Control had been something on my radar for a while um, previously with the two designers, Corey Andalora and Donnie Coleman. Um, I had met them at QSCon in 2019. They had submitted that game for uh, um, when the world shut down, an online remote um, contest that uh, it was a game that you could play fully remote. Um, So I had known that I had, I had been involved in that game prior. And then when I had the opportunity to be like, Hey, there's this thing we should look at um, and bring good stuff, good experiences, bring some fun, to tabletops everywhere so it is kind of a dream it helps to be working with some great people um but yeah i'm I'm happy to be there i gotta say folks people are listening uh the stuff of legend uh, i played it with i played obviously a a couple of times over the convention space it has easily been probably my favorite social seduction game. I'm, I'm just going to call it. I think that's a good definition. Yeah, of social it's got a shifting. Game. It's got a shifting loyalty, but it's definitely a social social deduction for sure. Yeah, and for those of you who haven't read the comic, the comic's amazing. I had a chance to read it at Origins between um, doing demos, and then I had a couple chances to watch it play and even play it for a little bit. It's, it's fantastic. Like you guys hit it out of the park. All the people I showed to, like the friends who I had at the con, I said, hey, you need to come play this. And I had a chance to come play. Nice. They've just been gushing about it. It is, you guys are doing great things at Third World Studios. I love it. So if, if you folks have a chance to play mm-hmm. this, Andrew, you included, sit yeah. down. It's, it's it's awesome. Like, 
it if is such a good game. If you do the Discord thing um, and you join the Th- Third World Studios Discord, um, there are a bunch of us that will actually like we have it up on Tabletop Simulator and we can play it online if uh, if you're interested. There's a little you lose a little bit because you want to look somebody in the eye when you're trying to figure out if they lie to you mm-hmm. um, or if they're they're telling the truth. Um, but it still gives you the idea of how the how the game uh, plays. Um, Kevin did a bang up job making sure that all the character abilities. Um, adhere to the characters in the in the story um, and making sure that the the betrayal part of the game really shines to what happens throughout the right now five volumes um, they're finishing up uh, number six um, soon as soon as possible um, but he did such a good job it was due out earlier and then covid kind of put a bunch of our uh, across the board a bunch of our plans um, on the back burner so I didn't do that on purpose, but Kevin got to bake the game even more with oh, the wow. delay. I really, that wasn't <laughs> done on purpose. That was, that I, I just stepped in that one. Um, but he got, he got to make it even better over time. So it's great. Well, my instruments are saying, let's get to the pre-launch. So I'm going to start whacking this thing with a hammer and we'll talk about some games we played. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. Andrew, I want to hear about your game because I have never heard of this game before in my life. So I'm excited to hear about it. This is a game that I purchased maybe six years ago. It's it's been out for a while. Um, My wife and I played it first and we loved it. Had a great time. A friend of ours introduced us to it so we bought ourselves a copy. We must have played this game twice a week for three or four months. Um, It is the kind of game that is a little bit addictive and simple yet has a lot of depth in the strategy. So you end up playing your opponent more than you play the game itself, right? For those who don't know, Super Motherload is by Roxley Games. They're known for having their neon colored artwork thought process. And this is a game where you are space mining. So you're you're a drill team and it's deck building. So you play cards from your your hand to execute drilling on the Mars planet, basically. And there's all these different um, minerals and jewels and stuff like that you can collect as you drill down. Uh, You then spend those to upgrade your um, drill team to better cards and add more cards to your, your deck to get more powerful drills going on. But really, it's a tactical Tetris puzzle as you're drilling down. You're drilling Tetris pieces into the core. So you're... You're trying not to give people access to the jewels that you want while gaining access for yourself. That's essentially the the whole entire structure of the game, and it's a really well-done game. I heard a year ago at, I believe it's Gen Con, that uh, there's an expansion coming out for this, but it was only a whisper and a a wink and a nudge, so I don't know if that's ever going to actually happen or not. This game is much better than most people would probably think looking at it, and yet it's still... It holds a place in my heart, and we broke it out the other night and had such a good time. I need to find more people who can play this game with. But anyway, that's Super Motherload. If you're interested, check that out. Yeah, Matt Tolman did a great job with that game. So so there's tons of deck builders out there. What makes this one so good? Because I'm very leery when it comes to deck builders. It's incredibly tight. Your deck is like maybe 10, 15 cards at the max by the time you're done. It's a tight game. Okay. Okay, I like that a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a hugest fan of like when you're playing a deck builder and you get like 30 cards no. in there, that's kind of, that's kind of what turned me off of Dominion, which Dominion's fine, but like 
that was my intro to deck builders. And then I got like, I put like three or four really bad deck builders after that. <laughs> so no, you, I'll have to give it a try though. You start off with, I think it's five or six cards and you're adding maybe one every two or three turns. You're not really stacking it crazy. You're just kind of efficiently working your way through the cards you got. Okay. Well, it looks interesting. So I'm going to have to take your word for it and try it one day. Michael, what's, you got a big old, big old game on your, on your pre-launch uh, list. Let's you hear about it. You would think so, um, but it isn't that big. It says an hour and a half uh, to two hours on the box, and I think that um, when you play it a few times, that that would be incorrect. I think you could probably drop it under an hour and a half. It's not. It's not like the name suggests, but it's Twilight Inscription. I mentioned every Tuesday we meet at the the, the Bullfinch Pub. Um, so this Tuesday, that was our focus. A bunch of us on the Discord said, hey, we want to play this. Um, so a few people learned it and we taught it. It was probably about 20 minute teach. It's not that complicated in game. It's complicated in strategy. Um, okay. Twilight Imperium was, is, has been to this day, one of my most favorite, um, board game experiences. Um, the first time I played it, we all watched, you know, the half hour how to play. And then we watched a 20 minute setup uh, the day of the game was 11 and a half hours. It was, we played it at, at full moment. It was all of our first times playing it. Um, and at no point did it feel like 11 and a half hours. It was, it was riveting throughout. And it seems simple, right? 10 points. You just get to 10 points. This has a lot of that kind of exploration um, feel to it that Twilight Imperium has. But Inscription, being a roll and write, it's not, it's not like that. It, there's a lot going on. Um, the dice are used by everybody, but ev there's four different boards you're playing on, um, and you decide which board you're activating that turn. Um, and then you flip okay. over a card, and something happens. Maybe you get some dice, um, certain colors to use. Maybe it's war, or maybe it's production, and you don't know from the, 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 the cards. Um, but then that board is active, and then you roll the dice, and then you're using those dice on your board that's active. And there's all those really good feel good moments about unlocking and chaining and, and it, it's, it was really, really, it was pretty solid. I like Hadrian's wall a lot. And I think Hadrian's wall taught me, you cannot do everything in a game. <laughs> you always want to okay. do everything. And Hadrian's wall is like, yeah, you're gonna have to get over that. Um, yeah. Imperium still has the same kind of feel. You still want to do everything. Um, and you can't, but, it's it's a little more forgiving in the everything you want to do, and it really feels smart. It's got a very Seven Wonders-ish feel with the war. There's a, um, mm. a thing that you do, and you're fighting the person to your left and your right, and then every time there's a war, you're counting up a thing to see who's... So you're still kind of like doing that back and forth of how many how many do you have? How many swords do you have? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super fun. It's It, it was... Um, I think it's worth... It's a big price tag for a rolling right, and I think it's worth it. Yeah. So Twilight Imperium plays better at you know higher player counts would you say that the rule and right follows that or just more of a lower player count experience no i we played it at four um and again it was it was i think two of them had played it before um and two of us haven't um so i don't know if it plays better um with with the full complement or if it plays better at, at, at three or four um but basically you're doing you're flipping a card and you're doing a thing on your board there isn't there's still that negotiation but it's not going to delay the game too much. Um, and I think it's very, just like Twilight Imperium is simple in its execution, right? You first to 10 points on your turn, you're going to do a thing. And there's a lot of strategy and you're thinking about all the backstabbing that could happen. 
Um, this game's got the same kind of thing. You're going to flip a card. It's going to do a thing. And then you're going to roll the dice and you're going to do a thing. And it's, it's very simple in that, in that, uh, vein. So I don't, we're definitely going to play it again, but I don't, I don't know if it plays better at, at full count, if it would delay it even more or if it's better. I don't, I don't know, based on my first play, I don't know if it would be better as a heads up kind of game, but four seemed right. Four seemed good. And it also gave you with the, with the war side of things, you're fighting on the left and the right. So in a four player game, there's somebody that I'm, I'm not really interacting with and they're fighting right. on their left and their right. So they're that four player feel with the war felt really, felt really solid. Well, sweet. Well, as for me, I have played a renewed classic um, card game. That is one of my favorites. That is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Multiverse. Yeah, so this is a uh, this is a hand management card game where you are playing superheroes who are fighting off a villain. Um, they just this is an older game. I, I don't exactly know when the first one was made, but they recently did a Kickstarter for it, and they redid the artwork, which is much needed, and mm. gave it kind of a retro comic book feel. I didn't know about that. And yeah, no, I almost backed it too. But I, the thing is, I had a copy of Sentinels, the old version, um, for a pretty long time, but it doesn't play good at two players, the original version. Um, so I got rid of it because that's usually what I was playing at that time. I regret that in retrospect. Um, but this new version came out. It works a little bit better at two players and just at a broader player count. Uh, but I was able to play this at my FLGS's game night, and I was super happy to do it again. You have different um, decks of cards, so it's a modular deck system where you have different heroes who kind of feel different. They have different abilities. So, like, you got Haka, who's like a poly- basically Maui, uh, a Polynesian warrior. He's about taking lots of, like, energy and then doing one big burst at it. Um, you got the Iron Man guy who's all about upgrading himself to give himself Banes. You got the Superman person who's actually more of a buff character. And a whole you know, colorful cast of characters fighting off a really good um, coterie of villains. Uh, I was playing against, I think her name was like the Mother or something. She was like a raven crow person. She summoned crows. And so her deck involved lots of these small, not very powerful cards coming out. But they comboed together and did lots of damage at the same time. Um, I loved it just as much as I did back then. This is a really solid game. It's great cooperatively. It has the quarterbacking problem, like lots of cooperative games do. But I really do think the having your own hand and having your own plans really mitigates that at least a little bit. Uh, this is, I mean, there's not too many great superhero games out there, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll <laughs> nothing against you guys. <laughs> I haven't played yours yet. I'm assuming it's. I'm assuming yours is great, knowing you. But there are. I've played a lot of superhero games that aren't good as well, and. More importantly, there's lots of superhero games that are really into the IPs, and I like things outside of IPs a little bit, um, so that's why I like this original world. That is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Highly recommend it, the Definitive Edition. And I was saying that to Googs because, Googs, you actually do have a game. You have a Batman game, right? Yes, I do. Um, I'm very lucky to have played in the Batman, the animated animated series universe um, for a while. Yeah, so that's Batman, the animated series, the best version of batman in my opinion um gotham city under siege which is a game i have ever since i met you i've tried to like find it because you were talking to me about it but my f my my game store doesn't hold it for some reason it makes me really it's sad. actually out of print oh yeah. that's why <laughs> it, it was through idw and idw is no longer idw games idw publishing is still a thing but idw games is no longer um a thing so the game is no longer in production yeah, and that was a co-design between you and richard Lawness. Is, is that correct, correct. Awesome. Well, listeners, if you see it, 
anywhere, whether it be like secondhand or on a website, you know, pick it up because this is a game that I've been on the hunt for for a while. Not many people are willing to part with it because they like it so much and it's really loyal to the, you know, the animated series as a whole. Thank you. Well, my instruments are going crazy now. They're saying you better get to the dive or we're going to fire you as a captain. So (laughs) let's go ahead and close the hatch, seal it tight and get ready for the dive. Googs, spin us a yarn, tell us a tale, you know, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, So my dive experience is going to be um, my first experience in modern board games. Um, My neighbors back in the day, I would always run into in random spots. I'd run into them at GameStop. um, I'd run into them at at the market. um, And the one guy would always be like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? You should come over. We're playing games. I'm like, oh, okay, what are you playing? And he's like, well, it's this thing about cultists and Cthulhu, and we're trying to prevent them from taking over. I'm like, oh, I'm not. I'm good. So I passed, <laughs> and then it would happen again. Yeah, we're playing again Saturday. We got a bunch of us coming in. I just felt like I was going to be like a human sacrifice, and this is where, like, you know, Dateline comes in or something. Sure. So one day I took the leap, and I went over there, and I walk in, and their kitchen table, like, a you know, nice-sized dining room table, six feet, seven feet is just full of stuff. There's miniatures, there's boards, there's multiple boards, there's cards, chits everywhere. And I'm like, what the? And then to the the head of the table, there's a TV tray with all different decks of cards, small cards, big cards. And on the other side, there's another TV tray with a whole bunch of other decks and cards and stuff. And I'm like, what am I even walking into? <laughs> Three hours later, we got housed. It wasn't even like close when when Cthulhu woke up, and it was an amazing experience. It was it was the first time I had I thought of board games as not your typical Scrabble, Monopoly, right? That 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 mm-hmm. that thing that some people do. And then that was it. That opened the gates, man. Uh, my collection. I had nothing, and now my collection's up to thirty six hundred. That was maybe Ooh. a decade ago that that had happened so i mean it it i i speaking of diving i dove headfirst into this amazing world of uh board games and i haven't turned back it's been it's been sort of surreal so for those that don't know arkham horror um is the game i'm talking about and it's the second edition and the designer or co-designer is richard lanius mm-hmm. so my first board game convention was with my neighbors down in Orlando. It was called Dice Tower Con. Um, and it was great. A lot of the stuff I model Q's Con after, which is the con I put together here in Syracuse, is like yes. all the good stuff that that Patrick had at, at, at Dice Tower Con. And Richard was a special guest. So he comes walking in and I'm the first time I'm there, I'm volunteering and I'm running, you know, like the check-in booth. And I'm introduced to Richard and a total fanboy. I was like, oh my God. So... I signed up to play in his game that he was leading because we had played Arkham a few times um, prior to. So I had the opportunity to play a game led by Richard. I'm like, this is amazing. And I rolled like garbage. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't get a success. (laughs) I couldn't do anything in the game that was remotely positive to the point where he was like, Mike, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're not even like, why are you even playing? Like he was just, it, it was fun and it was in the game, but he was like, Here's this guy, this game that, that that brought me to the modern board game, and he's like just making fun of me while I'm sitting at the table. 
so then I would go back the next year and I, I, you know, talk to him a little bit. And by then I, I still have it on my kitchen table. Um, I had made a foam core stand for all of Arkham Horror. So I have this pull away tray that has all the bits and underneath it are all the boards. And on top are all the decks of cards. And it's always on my kitchen table. It's always right there because I will play Arkham at any time, at any day. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I showed him the thing and he's like, oh, that's really cool. So the next year. Like we just started, like he remembered me, which was bonkers crazy. And I had owned a tutoring center for a while because my background is in education. And a few of my students were having really hard time with math, like simple equations. So I made this game um, around Ultron, uh, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, where you're trying to protect that bomb from going off and all the bots are coming in. And he was mm-hmm. walking around one day and I was like, Hey, I got this little game. If you know, if you got time, would you mind looking at it? He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So like it was whatever later on that day. And we sat down and he, I, we played it real time, like rolling, rolling game and you're trying to satisfy equations. And he's like, all right, let's play it again. And we did it again. And he's like, all right. And he took a piece of paper and he jotted down all this information about like how it could work and having this central board and having these hero abilities. And he turned the paper around and he's like, but it's just my opinion. Like, you know, take it for what it's worth if you want to, if you want to do whatever with it. And I looked, I remember it felt like forever, but I looked down at the paper and I look at all his like chicken scratch and I'm looking at all this stuff and I looked up and I'm like, would you design it with me? And he was like, maybe two seconds. Yeah, sure. And I was like, I, I just asked Richard Lanius to design a game with me. And he said, yes, like it was just ridiculous. Well, that's, that's great. So the next month we started working on what ended up being, um, Avengers Battle for New York and the idea was uh, in Avengers 1 where the Chitauri are coming down and they're they're taking on uh, New York City we were defending the city so we're having phone calls and we're having emails and it's like oh my god this is Richard Lania still to me right it's still like goosebumps I still freak out about it and then we pitched it he pitched it at Gen Con in 2018 to IDW and IDW is like well unfortunately we don't have the Marvel license um, but we just signed a deal with Batman, the animated series. Would you be interested? So he called me up on the phone. He called me or he stopped by. He called me and stopped by the booth that I was at at the time. And he's like, look, we have this thing. And I'm like, yeah, like Batman, the animated series. Like, absolutely. Like, like all we had to do was port it over. So like Captain America would throw his shield and do damage on the battlefields. That just became Batman's Batarang. And you throw the Batarang. Yes, was, I was going right. to guess yeah. that. So, it, I mean, the way that it ported over was just, it was just stupid crazy. Um and then I'll never forget when we signed the contract, he sent me an email and this is where it gets you, but he sent me an email and he's like, I talked to IDW, here's the contract, whatever. And on the bottom of it, and I printed it out, it says, congratulations, you'll be a published designer. And then it was signed Richard Lanius. And I was like, like Don't to this day, that. it's just, it's, it's like a dream, man. And then that led me into the design aspect of stuff, which then led me into meeting new people, which put me into QSCon. Um, so I started the convention here in Syracuse and then the world shut down. So I started reaching out to designers and publishers about, Hey, we used to do every Tuesday and to keep some sort of semblance to life. Um, I would ask a designer or a publisher or somebody in the industry to come and hang out on a Tuesday and just talk to us about their Kickstarter that's coming out or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and give them the platform for a little while. And people, we use zoom and people would come in and just, you know, ask their questions and listen to whomever, um, and then I met Christian Strain. I'm a huge fan of Asking for Troubles. Um, it 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 this might piss off a couple people that are listening, but it replaced Lords of Waterdeep for me. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's 
it's just fun. I love the IP. I love the the cheeky nature of the sci-fi and the and the references to all stuff that I love as as a sci-fi fan, mostly Star Wars. So then I had Chris on, and and after the show, Chris and I like we started talking back and forth and mentioned like we could talk about this stuff all day. And then it was like the same thing with Richard. Like, would you design a game with me? I just asked Chris, like, oh, maybe we should do something like that. And then that led into uh, the full forty-two. Uh, which started uh, two Januarys ago. We do it every Monday night at nine o'clock Eastern. And then last January, um, it was right around right around the time that the the show started. Um, I connected with Katia Howitson, who, if you don't know who she is, uh, her board game art stuff is absolutely phenomenal. Um, she does a calendar. Top notch. Yeah, it really is. She does a calendar every year. Um, she talks to publishers and does games uh mosaics that are inspired by games from the publishers she does the publishers logo in mosaics um she did stuff of legend this year which will be in the calendar next year she made me if you look at qscon she made me a mosaic of my qscon logo which i'm still in love with it's the backdrop of both yeah. computer it's just beautiful stuff that she does so yeah you should you should go follow her as well but then uh, we developed a relationship and then she came into the show which she would argue um, against this, but she's made the show much better. Chris and I have a great time. The three of us have a great time every Monday. We have guests on every week. So to think about me being Monopoly to playing Arkham Horror for my first experience to getting an email from Richard that says, congratulations, you're going to be a published designer to the full 42 to QSCon to having all of these connections in the industry. It's, it really is, it's dreamlike. And if it is, I never want to wake up. Um, right. but it's, it's pretty surreal to think about that one moment of looking at Richard and saying, Hey, would you design a game with me and how that has completely changed the course of my life. So that trajection and that interesting downhill skiing slope that you have going on, what's the timeline on that? How long did that take for just working with Richard on Batman? No, let's just say from the, from the first time you played Arkham Horror to, today how long is that time so i first when when i finally uh, when i when i uh grew the nerve to walk into my and i'm talking about my neighbor's house like it's the next door um and it was like a year and a half they tried to get me in um i probably that was probably 2010 okay and then i went to and uh, the first convention we went to i think was 2013 so it was what they called part de uh which was the second dice tower con um, so mm-hmm. that was the first convention, modern, you know, actually first convention. I mean, I never went to, I didn't go to anything. So that was 2013 that I went to the convention. So I had been playing modern board games for maybe, uh, two years. And then stepping into that world has just absolutely changed me. The people are amazing and you're, you're mm-hmm. creating a, an environment, a very intimate environment, right? You're, you're asking people that you don't necessarily know to join you at a table, to sit two feet away from you and have this experience in mm-hmm. on the table, but in your mind, like all the things you filter as a good, you know, narrator or narrative or creating that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're asking for this, this very intimate thing and the board game world, the people involved are some of the best I've ever, ever interacted with. It's amazing. Agreed. I relate a lot to this story because, you know, Arkham Horror is not an easy game. It's a very long haul of a game. Um, What you're doing is not necessarily complicated, but you're sitting down for a while. 
And I relate to that a lot of ways because, you know, similar thing, I got really into board. I was into like RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons for a while since college, but the world of board games, um, I've told little story before, but my next door neighbor as well, just right across the street, who also went to the same church as I did, invited me over one. I was like, hey, we're playing Dune tonight. I was like, oh, what's Dune? And I sat down. That was my first, you know, hobby board game experience was sitting down and playing that. And that cascaded my entire life into basically going to design, going into conventions and all this stuff, getting this entire world. So, I, I mean, I'm only like two years into it. So maybe there's some hope for me considering the timeline you've wow. given. My, my, my experience with Richard and that board game, that's not typical, right? Like that, no. I'm very, <laughs> yeah, I'm very lucky to be where I am in this amount of time and to have the friends and know the people in the industry in, in the amount of time that I've been involved in this. That is extremely atypical. Um, and I'm very fortunate. Um, to know, I'm, I know that I'm very fortunate to be where I am right now. But I also believe that people in this industry are always on the lookout for talented individuals who are as passionate and as driven as seems like that you are. So I'm not surprised you found a home somewhere, just like I'm not going to be surprised when Josh finds his home somewhere. It just makes sense to bring people like those into the fold in those kind of aspects. It's true. I mean, not only about Josh and finding finding your stuff, finding a home for your stuff, but good people will introduce you to good people, right? Like I met Andrew through mm-hmm. Daryl just at Gen Con. Yep. Daryl's like, hey, Mike, you should meet this guy. I'm like, oh, okay, Andrew, how you doing? Um, and then, you know, like we've been talking about uh, certain stuff as well, but it's just, it's that kind of hobby. It's that kind of like, we're all yeah. competing, right? For the same kind of thing. We all want our game signed. Or if we're a publisher, we all want our game to win the spiel, or we all want to like be on the hotness on BG. We all want the same thing. But in this industry, it's, there are there are those cutthroat moments and there are those people but overall everyone is so supportive of each other because it's just the type of hobby right it is but also one of the reasons this podcast exists is because we just want to meet all those cool people we just want to talk to those cool people we want to have experiences with those cool people and we want to go to events and places that have the cool people at them which is what conventions are to us right you know, it really is awesome. Like you think about it, like you know, I've pitched lots of games of this, not a million games. But I'm starting to get my pitching boots on, and you know, I've I've met friends because of it. You know, I met you, Michael. I've met you know, there's Pat from the Op. There's a bunch of people I've met mm-hmm. at this point who I consider you know friends and acquaintances. And you know, many of those friends acquaintances have told me no on their games. Mm-hmm. Like I pitch the game to them, and say, oh yeah, this, this is what we like about it, but it's going to be a no for this reason. I don't hate them because of that. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of industry where you get that like me and andrew were you know pitching a game to some publisher you know say hey we're going me and michael me and andrew racing for michael's approval on this game yada 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 if andrew got picked over my game hypothetically i would not hate andrew i'd be super pumped for yeah him because that's what that's what people in history have taught me not only taught me do but i've i've seen i find more joy personally in celebrating people's victories yeah and then just getting to work on my own and hoping my victory comes later. And I know that when my victory does come, everyone's going to be happy for me. Yep. I mean, what other industry do you see? Very that? Rare, unless you're on a team, right? Unless you're you're part of a sports team and, you know, you just hit the home run to win the game or you just scored the goal to win the game. Like that's that kind of support. You get that regardless of if, if 
you're getting those no's or you're getting those yeses or it's it's just it's an amazing it's an amazing industry full of amazing people that are doing basically selfless things right they're trying to create experiences for other people which is just it's just it's bonkers to think about well this has been an awesome conversation i like talking about how wonderful the hobby Mm -hmm. is but we are deep down the 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 tabletop trenches so let's turn our radar and see what's in our future Um, I'll go first. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll kick this thing off. Like everyone knows, I'm a big RPG guy. Love RPGs, love playing them, designing them, all that wonderful stuff. I am really excited because my two worlds are combining into one. Because I am going to be running next month for my game store as their house DM, Root, the RPG. So um, this Root is a uh, powered by the Apocalypse system, which is my favorite system because you're just using 2d6 dice and the DM doesn't roll anything. And it's absolutely great because it's very much on the players and DM kind of having even field mm. to how the story goes. Mm-hmm. But it takes place in the uh, Root universe. You're playing Vagabonds. You know, that, that they're an actual faction in the Root game. You're playing the Vagabond faction going around to these different kingdoms, whether it's the Marquis de Cat or the Irie Dynasty. Um, or the Woodland Alliance, you're going around having adventures, D&D-esque, but just in a very niche system with beautiful artwork. Um, I'm just excited about this because I know I'm going to get some people who are my board game friends over to play with me for RPG month. For RPGs, an RPG for the month. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to play this for a while. I have the DM screen and the core rule book. I'm excited to jump into it. It's my favorite type of RPG system. Uh, it's a root, the RPG. Um, Mike. Nice. What do you got? So the the game that's on my radar, um, I've played twice, and it's going to stay on my radar for quite a while um, for its meaning. Um, it's going to have a history with me for basically ever, and it's doing stuff in the game that I haven't I haven't seen in other games before. Um, it's unfortunately a very hard game to find. Um, it's called Comic Hunters. It's Brazil only sort of thing. But if, uh, so I, we talked about the convention that I run, um, and a friend who has been following the show since almost the beginning, Alan is from Costa Rica and he brought me a copy of it at the convention this year. Um, so I'm very lucky. Um, it's, I've played it twice. It's a game about building your collection of comics. It's Marvel themed. It's Marvel licensed. So a lot of the cards have comic covers of comics that I collected when I was a kid and still have. Oh wow, that's cool. Um, yeah. And the way the game plays, it's got it's got four different actions that three of them. There's four different actions, and three of them you do on in three different rounds, and they're not the same, right? So three of the actions are done in round one, three of the actions are done in round two, and only two of them are the same. And then three of the actions are done in round three again, only two of them are the same. And there are three to four different ways of collecting right there's um different set collection um rounds that you're doing and the cards you're what it's asking you to do every round is different and fresh and the way the game plays is fresh um you're collecting based on the popularity of the character right so this this game all three of us could be playing and iron man is the one that's going to get us the most points um, and then there's a middle ground, which could be like Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Spider-Man, and then Thor and everybody else. There's seven or eight different characters that are on the cards. Hulk is in there. Um, but then the next game we play, those chips are randomized, and now it's like you're going mm-hmm. for Black Panther or you're going for – but then there's set collection, and you want to have like the most first appearances or the most um, 
unique uh, costume cha- costume changes or the epic battles that like Black Panther had with Black Manta or not Black Manta, what uh, Killmonger. Monger. Mm-hmm. The way that the game is set up and the way that the game plays is it just it's one of the freshest games that I've played, um, and I'm not over it yet. So it's 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 hard to get, and I apologize to the listeners for throwing a game out there that's not. Uh, readily and easily available. Um, but if you have an opportunity to grab Comic Hunters um, and you're a comic fan, it'll sing for you. If you like set collection, it'll sing for you. The way the, the turns go, it's just, it's a it's an overall solid game. And if Alan is listening to this in the future, I sleeved my copy last night. <laughs> my copy is officially fully sleeved. So if that's the case, do you also have Age of Comics, the Golden Years, on your radar as well? I do, I do have it on my radar. I'm very curious. Someone had mentioned that it plays similarly, but looking at the game, it, it doesn't look similar to Comic Hunters, but I am very curious on how, how that one uh, will play, um, and it will be part of the collection. Because that one's on my radar, but that's not coming out till next right. year, so that's great. Right. All right, so last is mine, and on my radar is a game called Farm Club that just came up on BGA. Um, this is a game that I had heard nothing about, but I love the cover art. It's just a big pig face that's anthropomorphic, looks like a mayor or something like that, uh, has like a, a cuticle or a, a monocle, sorry. And um, so what it is, as far as I can tell, and I'm just about to start finding out, uh, but it is kind of a paired decisions game like Cascadia. So you have to take a scoring tile, basically, and then an animal. And each animal, or each, the animals go on your farm, which is like a three by three grid. So you're going to have nine turns. Um, But you're pairing the decisions about where to put animals in different spots, and then also how to score them if you can make them happen. And it just seems like a very interesting, simple game with deeper decisions to be made. So I'm looking forward to checking that one out. There's a, in the same vein, there's a game called um, Downtown Farmer's Market. Have you guys heard of that one? Ooh. I don't know that one. It's by, I, I want, it's Blue Orange and Blue Orange, everything I've played by Blue Orange, and this is not a plug, I don't get paid by Blue Orange or anything, but they've never disappointed me. Anything from Slide Quest to anything they've done has been like rock solid in my opinion. And Downtown Farmer's Market, um, you have a grid, uh, four across the top, four across the, the, the side, um, and you're dealt four and then they're double sided and they're, they're your end game scoring um, tiles. And you'll score for how many carrots are in a row or having different um, different food in, in a row or a column. And there's six different foods. Um, but you, you set up the four on one side and you set up the four on the other side. And then the tiles you're drafting go into your four by four grid. And you're trying to score as many points as you can uh, for the different um, food items. It's, it's, it's super fun. It kind of gave me, when you were talking about Farm Club, it kind of gave me a little bit of that vibe. So. Um, maybe look into that. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like very simplistic illustrations, but I, I see where you're coming from on this, and I'm very curious now. I'm going to check it out. It's that time, folks. We're going to ascend to the surface and breathe some fresh air. So fasten your seatbelts, because we have seatbelts in here, I decided. <laughs> We're going to shoot up as fast as we can. Michael? It's been awesome having you on here. I really enjoyed our conversation. I love your story. If people want to know, you know, know more about you, want to follow you, you know, get more googs in their lives, how can they do that? Um, I am consistently on Discord uh, for the two um, channels uh, that have taken up my life. Uh, QsCon is one of them, and uh, 3WS is the other. 
I actually have a Googs on Tap voice channel um, that whenever I'm sitting down doing work, I'm in there um, either on mute or listening to music, but I'm, I'm usually in those channels so people can ping me or uh, ask me questions or join. Um, you can find QsCon on Facebook. You can find Third World Studios on Facebook, and then the links to the Discords are there. That's typically where I am, um, hanging out during the day, doing some fun stuff. Oh, great. It's been awesome having you on. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come and have an adventure with us and to join us in the submarine. As always, I'm Josh. And I'm Andrew. And this has been the Tabletop Submarine.